Okay, so we are in week two of this series, which is called Turning Points, because we are talking about turning points. Because even though I do not like the idea of resolutions, because as I've said, people either make them super specific, like uh, Rob's of, I really want to look exactly like The Rock in three weeks. That's really hard to do, because it takes The Rock a lifetime to do that. Now, Rob's close. He's already got the six-pack, but still. Um, it's, it's those types of things, those types of things that we make too specific. And then if you inevitably fail or don't get a week to the gym or whatever, and you're like, oh, it's, I'm not making progress, you give up and you get, feel bad about yourself. Or it's too broad, like, oh, you know what? I want to eat better next year. That could mean anything. That could mean that you want to eat ice cream for 364 days, but that one day is broccoli because last year you ate ice cream for 365 days. Um, so it's like very broad. And so I don't like those things. But I do like the idea of looking at the new year as a fresh start, as a chance to look at the turning points in your life. Um, we talked last week about uh, the blind beggar and how he took the stand, took a chance when he saw Jesus coming by. Everybody was saying, hey, shut up, keep quiet, stay there. Uh, you're blind, you suck, like all of these things. And he sees Jesus, he's like, hey, Jesus. And everybody's like, dude, leave him alone. But he still called out for Jesus. And then he asked Jesus, instead of saying, never mind, or whatever, like we kind of backed down like we sometimes do, he said, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus did. And it's a turning point in his life. And he went from there to have a better life, obviously. This week, we're going to talk about uh, another, well, about Moses and a turning point in his life. Now, before I read the scripture, there was one major turning point in his life where he went the wrong way. So Moses, if you know his brief story, uh, a brief look at his origin, basically, um, when he was a baby, all the boy babies were supposed to die. They hid him in a river. Uh, you've probably heard this in little kid class and stuff, children's church and everything. And uh, like the Pharaoh's daughter found him and is like, hey, can I raise him? She went and got his actual mom to, to work with him and be kind of like the, the, the midwife or whatever it is called, where, uh, nanny something, where she like helped raise him. And so she got to be in his life and God protected him and healed him and lifted him up. He, rose, he grew up as a prince in the Pharaoh's kingdom and everything. Uh, and so he was a, a Jewish man. He knew his faith, but he also, you know, was a pretty big deal. He was a, a, a prince in Egypt, uh, which they made an animated movie, Prince of Egypt, about him. And so, yeah, good. And so um, it was, that was kind of his life. And then because of that, he was raised kind of always hearing, hey, you're the prince. Hey, it's Moses. You're, you're cool. Uh, kind of like how uh, if you're a really good athlete from a young age, you're kind of given uh, extra chances sometimes. Uh, I know that I pick on LeBron a lot, but I'm going to use him as an example. I'm not saying that he's done bad things, but just as he was growing up, he was always... He was always the biggest person. He was always the most athletic person. Like, he always dominated. If you go back and you watch his high school games, uh, he, he, like, looked like a man in high school against, like, these little high schoolers like you guys. And, like, he looked above them, and he would go above them, and he just looked better than everybody else. And so he was treated differently, and he was always given, uh, like, extra chances and everything. Now, again, I'm not saying anything personally about him, but just it's, that's how we kind of treat people sometimes. And so Moses was treated like that. And then he walks outside and he sees a Jewish guy arguing with an Egyptian guy and the, the Jewish guy is kind of getting ripped on and hurt and, and made fun of and, and abused and he walks up and in the big turning point as a prince, as somebody who had power, he could have very simply said, hey, stop this and stopped it. He's in charge. But he got angry and Moses always had an anger problem throughout his life, even as a, a follower of God, as a preacher of God, as a prophet of God, he had an anger problem that he struggled with. And so he murdered the guy. Like he straight up murdered him. It's a huge escalation. But that was a turning point. And so he ran away. He was scared. He 
didn't know what was going on. People started talking about him. Uh, and so this is after this. And so this is Exodus 3, 1 through 16. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, uh, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. So I want to stop here before I get to what he actually does. Um, we've, as, again, as kids, we hear the story of the burning bush, and we kind of have this picture in our minds of a bush burning. But this was even more amazing than that. It wasn't just spontaneous combustion. It's like if my podium started burning but it wasn't hot and the carpet didn't singe and like the wood didn't burn away like we see fire like if you have a campfire or something like if Tara starts burning all of the excess clothes that are on that chair there to to have some more warmth you're going to see them burn away and you're going to see ash and you're going to see all of these things and the fire is going to start to spread spread and it's going to catch the couch and it's going to catch Rob and Cooper and it's going to be a bad situation ish and so but it's uh it's a thing where like you're used to seeing fire spread and that's what it looks like. But with the burning bush, he's walking by and he sees it. And at first he's like, oh no, there's a fire. Cause that's what we think if we see a fire, but it's not burning up the bush. The bush is still very bushy and nothing else on the ground. There's no scorch marks. There's no uh, smoke. Like it's just fire and it's nuts. It's not something we see. It's not something that makes sense. And so I think everybody, including Moses would be like, I got to go check this out. Now you don't want to get too close, but he walks over and then we get to his turning point because God speaks to him through the bush. And it's very clear that it's God. He feels it. He knows it. He recognizes it. And God calls out to him and calls out his name. Now, I remind you what I started with. Moses was a murderer and he had not been near anyone uh, from his home where he grew up since he murdered. Like he ran away. He got married. He started a new life. He was on the run. All of these things far enough away from Egypt that nobody was on him. And God calls him. And so the turning point comes first because there's a lot of different things he could do. Uh, I think a lot of people in his position, regardless of their faith, if they hear God calling from a bush, like first it's going to freak you out. But two, if you know you're a murderer, your first thought is probably, I'm in trouble. Because when we do something wrong or when we do something that we know is wrong, especially if we don't get caught, we hold on to that and we always kind of look over our shoulders. One of the things that I've said before and one of the things that I say often, I guess, um, there are many reasons to always be true to yourself and to always be who you are and to not change around different groups. But if you are someone different at church, like you've got your Christian face and then at school you're somebody the opposite and you don't act the same, you don't talk the same, you don't do the same things, no matter where you are, you're always kind of looking out for, for other people coming up. So like if you're at school or you're at parties and you're doing, living that life, you're like, what if somebody from church sees me? What are they going to know? What are they going to think? What if they hear me? What if they tell my mom and dad? And then if you're at church stuff, you're like, what if somebody from school or from that party comes? And they're like, oh, you're such a nerd. Like, you're at church stuff. Like, you're always carrying that worry. And so Moses, murdering someone, uh, is always carrying that because he ran away. He didn't pay the price. And so when God comes, he's like, oh, this is it. I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for, for punishment. And in a way, sometimes when you've done something wrong, even though you don't want to get punished, when people find out, it's almost like a relief. It's almost like, well, I can finally let this go or move past it. Again, not that you want to be grounded or suspended or whatever else, but it's something that you can let go of. So for Moses, he probably had that feeling, but also he had this temptation, I'm sure, to run again. 
Because again, he'd just run. And so he's like, oh no, God found me. What am I going to do? Uh, I, I got to go. And so his turning point is, what does he do? And so the next line is, here I am, Moses replied. He faced it right away. I have no idea what was going through his mind. Uh, but again, I would imagine, I would imagine that he is thinking, I'm in for it. Like God is coming to, to take me down. He's coming to send me back to Egypt. He's coming to, to really punish me, to really just make me face up to this. And it's just, I deserve it, but it, it hurts. And I can't believe this is going to happen. Uh, and yet he still stands up. One of the most impressive things that you can do, and by that I mean as far as how adults see you, how other people see you, is admit when you're wrong. It's admit when you've messed up. It's admit when you've done something wrong, when you've hurt someone. It's to apologize. That is something that unfortunately a lot of adults never do. Like we, the older you get sometimes, uh, you get so used to just arguing away. And a couple weeks ago, or last week I guess in church, I preached about the way people argue now and the way they talk and how it's very much not the way Jesus would want it to be. It's just we kind of yell and, and argue and we hate each other and politics and all this stuff. And so more and more people are like, yeah, I may be wrong, but I'm just going to be loud wrong so that I can really shut this down. And, and again, you see that in politics and you see that with adults sometimes, not all adults, but you see that sometimes. And so it's very hard then to admit I messed up because we're kind of taught, you know, if we just keep denying, 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 people don't get in trouble anymore. And, and so with Moses, he could have done that. Now, God obviously knows, but he could have ran away, but he said, I did it. He knew that he did it. And so he faced it. And that's an important thing. And going back to what I just said, when you mess up, you're going to have the temptation to cover it up and to cover that up and to cover that up. And you've probably heard the phrase about like a web of lies or a web of deceit or things like that. That's because legitimately, like once you lie or once you do something wrong and then you lie to cover it up, you have to then remember that lie and then lie to cover that up and then lie to cover that up. Sometimes you have to lie differently to some people than to other people. And like it just keeps building and building and building like a web, like a spider web, like a Spider-Man spider web. And it just keeps building and building and building out. And eventually that web breaks because eventually you can't keep your story straight or eventually somebody figures out the truth. And, and again, if you just start at the beginning where you messed up and you say, mom, dad, teacher, principal, Rob, whoever it is that you, you messed up to, and you're just like, I'm sorry. Now, I'm not saying you won't get in trouble. I'm not saying you won't still face punishment. You might, but that's such a respectful thing to do, to face up to what you've done. It's very hard because it's very hard to deal with confrontation, and some of us deal with it worse than others. Uh, for me, it's super hard to face confrontation. Uh, it's super hard not to admit that I'm wrong because I'm never wrong, but it's hard to to kind of uh, get in trouble. And by that I mean just the way I was raised and kind of the way my first job was anytime, and Tara can tell you this, anytime someone says, hey, you know, can we talk? Or, hey, can you come to my office? My immediate thought is, what did I do? Am I in trouble? Because I have this confrontation thing and I have this self-doubt thing. And I have this thing where I have the fight or flight impulse where it's like, Except for me, it's apologize profusely or flight. It's like, do I run away and just avoid it? Or do I just apologize and apologize and apologize and then figure out what I did wrong later, like a, a TV husband? And it's like, those are the things that I carry. But if you just face the things, yeah, you may get consequences and things may not go great for you. But it's so much easier in the long run. And so we see Moses finally do something right. He finally stands up. And we're going to continue. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. 
take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and led them out of Egypt into their own and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the city of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? So we see a bunch. I want to start with um, the reason God, especially in the Old Testament, kind of always introduces himself. And you're like, we know who God is. Why does he keep saying the, father, or the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac? Because it was so comforting in this time where everything was very new, especially religion and, and the, the, the whole God thing was very new for everyone because, again, the world is however old, but still like people, society, all of these things are growing and whatever else. And so God is saying, hey, I've always been here. No matter what, I've always been here, so listen to me. Now later, uh, as Jesus, like we, we get all of these uh, personal relationship things where he's talking about how he's walking with us and he shows us that. But this is kind of where that starts, where God's saying, I understand, I've been with the people that you look up to. I've been with the people before you. Like, it's not just you that has to face this. Like, I, t- I talk to them too and I'm helping you and I help them. And so it's very comforting. And then he says, listen, I'm going to use you for something great. And imagine that, like you, whatever it is that you did, you stand up and you say, okay, I'm going to, to use this turning point and I'm going to admit what I did and I'm going to apologize. And then God is like, hey, that's all I wanted from you. Now I've got this amazing plan for you to reach these people. I've got this amazing plan for you to be a pastor, or to be a teacher, or to, to be a Christian parent, or to be an NFL superstar, or to be whatever it is. I've got this amazing plan for you. And all you have to do is follow me. And then I think a lot of us would have similar reactions, but I think some of us would have the Moses reaction. I know that I would, and I know that I did. Are you sure? And you're asking God that, so it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I've talked about this before. I'll probably talk about it again. But I remember very clearly when I was called into ministry. So I went to Ball State for English, for writing. Again, very lucrative. Definitely go do it. It's not going to tear you down with college loans or anything. And so uh, I went to do that. I did like it. It was fun. I liked all of the school stuff. I still like school stuff. I miss school stuff. Um, For the right price, I'll do your schoolwork. Just joking. But... Uh, I'm just joking. But uh, anyway, so I, I was a senior and about to graduate. If you don't know that seniors are about to graduate, you might want to go back to school a little bit. But I was about to graduate. Uh, I didn't have a super clear idea what I wanted to do in that I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I'm like, well, I've got an English degree. The world is my oyster. And so it's like I can do whatever. I can work for a newspaper or basically work for a newspaper. I can do anything. And, and so I didn't know, but then I felt like walking down the steps of La Follette, which was the, the place where you ate, but it was also a dorm, uh, one of the places where you ate. Um, and so I remember just feeling, almost like audibly, hearing this voice of God saying, go into the ministry. And it's weird because I, I always, we always talk about God talking to us, and very rarely is it in words. Um, most of the time it's through other people or through whatever else, but it's just, it, I felt 
almost like the burning bush thing, like I felt it in words in my head, which sounds weird, but it's just, it was this very clear calling. And my immediate thought was, I can't go to Olivet, because it was a Nazarene school, I can't, like, I just, I'm about to graduate, I can't go back to college for four years, because I didn't have any understanding of what ministry was. But it's like, I can't do this, like, this isn't right, I'm scared of people, I literally changed my major so I wouldn't have to talk in front of people, like, it's just not something I can do. This can't be right, this has to be a mistake. I'm not the right person, just like Moses was saying that. And again, this is a turning point for Moses, and it was a turning point for me. And so for me, uh, I worked in the government for a little while, and then I went to graduate school. That's all I'm going to say about the government. It was secret work. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then I went to graduate school. And during graduate school, I had one of the darkest times of my life. So I always struggled with depression, not a surprise, but I had one of the darkest times of my life. And in that time, I don't know if you've heard of the show, but Seventh Heaven was a show that was on, and I was watching it, just kind of checking it out, and there was a guy who like was acting a lot like me with the depression stuff, and at the end it's like, hey, if you have this problem, go check this, and I went and checked it, and I prayed, and you know, I still struggle with it, but I prayed, and i like, okay, I gotta get this right, and so I was like, okay, God, I understand the calling, uh, and so I went back to Seymour after graduating, I was taking care of my grandma, but I also uh, started volunteering with the youth group, and the very first week that I went back, the youth pastor was like, hey, I need new volunteers. And it was one of those things where like, oh, I get it, God. And so it was a turning point for me. And obviously it's a turning point that I continued on. Uh, God continued to be with me even during the couple years where I was like not sure what to do. And for Moses, he has this turning point. He had run away from it before. He had run away from everything before. But now he faced up to God and yet he still doubts himself. Uh, one of the biggest things that we struggle with, even if you have a pretty healthy confidence, is self-doubt. Because we often are, we often feel like we're good at the things we're good at. So like if you're a good athlete, then you feel like this is my sport, I know how to do this, I'm really good at that. If you're really good at opening uh, packages of cookies really loudly, you know, you keep doing that because it's really something that you excel at. Uh, if you're good at uh, school, if you're good at a certain class, math or English or science or whatever, you know, you excel at that. But then when you get into something that's not those things, it's like, I can't do this. Like, I'm good at soccer or I'm good at math or I'm good at uh, art or whatever, but I, I can't do this because we doubt ourselves in everything else. We doubt ourselves and we have self-doubt. No matter how confident you are in one area, you doubt yourself. Now, for me, I doubt myself literally all the time, always. And so uh, Moses is doubting himself. He's got God who spoke through a bush. Now, I want you to picture this. God made the effort. He doesn't have to, but he made the effort to, like, do this miracle of, like, a bush burning. And it's insane. It's very clearly not a, a natural thing. Like, it's very clearly miraculous and very clearly special and very clearly supernatural and very clearly God. And then he talks to Moses, and he doesn't even bring up the murder. He doesn't even bring up his past. He just says, hey, I've got this plan for you. He's just talking to him. And all of that, when we look at it, we're like, wow, of course God has a plan for him. Like he should really listen. God's going to him. God's giving him all of these chances. God is really talking to him. God is really opening the door for him. Why is he questioning himself? And yet when we face it ourselves, maybe it's not as miraculous as a burning bush, but when we feel the calling, when we feel doing the right thing, when we feel hope, we are so much like, God, are you sure? If God's talking to you, he's sure. Now, that's something that's really hard for us to grasp, but he is. And one of the things we forget when we're called to do something, no matter what it is, is we feel like God's going to call us to do it, or he's going to give us this calling, or give us this plan, or give us this dream, or whatever, and this is going to be done. 
like it with Moses. If he's like, hey, so this is what I want to happen. I want the, all the Israelites to be freed out of slavery, and you know, I'll talk to you in a couple months. Like, let me know how it goes. Uh, it's not how it works. Like he was with him every step of the way, and yet Moses still doubted himself. He didn't doubt God. He trusted that God had this plan, but he doubted himself. Uh, and we go on. Uh, God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Uh, but Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? So basically this is Moses saying, Hey, if I go back, I'm a murderer, and they're not going to believe me. Because once you murder someone, uh, the level of belief people have in what you say kind of lowers. So don't test that, but just trust me on that. That once you murder someone, people kind of look at you differently because they should. And so Moses knew he murdered someone. And so he's going back and he knows for a fact that as soon as he says, hey, God sent me to free you, a lot of people, even though they want to be freed, are going to be like, hey, didn't you just murder that guy? Even maybe not accusatory, but just like, hey, aren't you a murderer? Like they're going to bring it up. Even though God didn't bring it up, he knows other people are. So he's again doubting himself. He's not doubting God, but he's saying, if I go and do this, they're not going to believe me. Are you sure you have the right guy, God? Are you sure that the right person answered this burning bush? And again, God knows. And it's, it sounds weird as we read it, as we hear about it, because it's like obviously Moses is who Moses was. But for Moses, he's just a guy. For us, we're just a person. Um, at the end of your life, like when, when your kids or whoever are talking about you, when the history books are written about you, uh, you might be looked at differently. But in your head, you're always going to be who you are, if that makes sense. And so it's very easy to doubt yourself. But we have to remember that the turning points come when we stand up. The turning points come when we make the right choice, when we do the right thing. But even if we don't, and murdering someone was the wrong thing, God doesn't give up on you. But you have to face up to it and move on. So maybe uh, you felt called to do something, or maybe you cheated on a test, or maybe you hurt somebody's feelings, and you've kind of been avoiding dealing with it. That doesn't mean that everything that was going to happen in your life is now not going to happen. It just means that first you have to say, okay, God, I messed up. How, how do I make this right? Or what do I do now? And then you have to listen. And then you're going to be like, I'm not sure I'm worth it. You are worth it. God knows you're worth it. And that's something that I say a lot because it's something that's very true. And so Moses, again, is asking, what are they going to do? Because he wants to know everything. Because often when we go into a situation, we want to know literally everything. Uh, some of you are applying for colleges. Some of you have already applied for colleges. Some of you are looking forward to applying for colleges. Some of you uh, just are looking forward to getting to high school. Some of you are looking forward to break or whatever. But whatever it is that you're planning, right before we do something, we often want to have every single answer. It's like, well, yeah, but how is this going to work out first? Or something simple, like, I want to see this movie, but tell me everything about it so that I know that I'll like it first. Uh, and we kind of want to do that with our life. And that's what Moses is doing here. He wants to know everything. The problem is we're never going to know everything. God does, but he wants us to, to go forward. He wants us to believe in him and to trust him and to follow him. And so that's, again, a turning point is having faith not only in God, but in yourself, in the calling. Going on to the next part. Uh, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. Uh, I am has sent me. That's his name. Uh, to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. So God, again, just keeps doing the same thing because God is steady 
and he knows that we're going to stupidly question him and we're going to question ourselves, but he's going to keep being there. And so, uh, like with my story, I didn't immediately go and do whatever the ministry I could have done was because I didn't understand it. But God didn't shut that door. Now, I had a difficult time in there, and maybe my life would have been different if I, I had like went to it right away, but I still was open to God, and so He still kept helping me, and He still kept pushing me forward, and He still had that open. So whatever it is, He will not shut that. Only we shut that. He will just help us to get there. So whatever it is your turning point is, whatever it is you go through, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you want to do with your life, whatever dreams you have, don't give up on them just because you don't see yourself doing it. Because you're never going to be able to fully, even again with confidence, fully say, I am totally in on this. Like, I'm totally got this. Because we are missing uh, something in that. And by that I mean, you've heard this said, and it's kind of cliche, but it's also true. Like, everybody has kind of like a God-shaped hole in their life. And so that means is everybody kind of lives their life, and some people never feel complete because some people never accept God. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't have good lives. It doesn't mean they don't do good things. It just means they never have God, so they don't reach everything that they're going, they could reach. And so for you, you may never feel like, oh, you know, I'm in the right place. But once you give to God, like, hey, I'm saying yes, and I'm not perfect, but you are, and I'm going to follow you. Once you start to have faith in him, even if you don't have it in yourself, you'll feel that completion and you'll feel that homeness. Um, as you know, I talk in public quite frequently now. Uh, and I still get scared beforehand, and I still afterwards question it all, and I will never believe anybody that says you did a good job, and it's not gonna. But I do it because I trust him, and I know that he put me here for a purpose, and I know that he has a plan for me, and I, I, I stood up and said, hey, I will do what you want, even if I don't see it all the time, but I see you. And so that's what I do, and that's what Moses did. Even through the time where he's freeing the slaves and he's bringing down the Ten Commandments, he was never perfect. He had anger problems, and he doubted himself. But he continued to follow God to the best that he could. That's all you can do, is trust in him. When you have trouble trusting in yourself, trust in him. When you have doubts in yourself, have faith in him and just ask for help. And I don't just mean ask for help from him, although that's step one. We talked about this last week, but we're going to talk about it often. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Have people in your life that are willing to, to tell you when you're going the wrong path, but that are also willing to help you when you need it, and that you help them and you kind of build this relationship. And so we see through Moses, and we see through my story, and we see through countless stories before me, that God has a purpose for each of us. No matter what you think of yourself right now, He thinks everything of you. And everybody here has a different path in life. And everybody here is going to, to, to be able to serve God in some way. Now, serving God doesn't mean being a pastor. It doesn't mean being a teacher. It doesn't mean being a social worker. It doesn't mean being a choir member. It, it just means serving God. And that can be as a parent. It can be as a coach. It can be as a factory worker. It can be as a gas station employee. It can be working at McDonald's, whatever it is. Serving God is just serving God and living out that life to the best of your abilities, and he will help you to have the success that you need, not the worldly success, but the success of life. And that's what it's about. That's what having this turning point thing is about, because you're going to face these decisions. And sometimes we think, man, if I don't pick the right college, or I don't pick the right job, or I don't pick the right whatever, I'm just done forever. But we see with Moses, and we see with me, that's not how it works. If you maybe don't pick right, but you keep trying to follow God. And you say, God, just help me. 
He will guide you back to where you're supposed to be. He will continue to help you. Just don't give up on yourself and definitely don't give up on Him. That's all I got.